This is the anthem. Here's what you came for. This is the moment. Magic was made for. Hello there. Welcome back to Fanfatals. Take a ride with us on the Hogwarts Express. Walk down Main Street with our best super pals. And defy gravity as we talk about all things fandom. Welcome back to Fanfatales, a member of the Real Fans Podcast Network. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby. And we are taking a trip back to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter as we talk about a little thing that's known about Hogwarts and, excuse me, about the little that is known about Hogwarts and uh, the Years of the Marauders. And we're also going to talk about the rise and fall of the first Wizarding War. Yeah. So I figured we would start this with the Marauders Hogwarts years because once they got into the war it's like bam 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 it's like two years that they're in the war and then death yeah it's like war 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 and he's dead yeah so I was like let's talk a little bit we know first real quick before we get into the horcruxes being made and everything like that great idea so, the Marauders' strong friendship began in their first year at Hogwarts. Sirius and James met on the train and had been inseparable ever since, and the two met Remus and Peter afterwards. By their fifth year, all but Remus Lupin, who was a werewolf, had secretly become unregistered in a magi in order to assist Remus during his transformations. James Potter's animagus form was a shining red stag, Prongs. Sirius Black's was a shaggy black dog, Padfoot. And Peter Pettigrew's was a fat gray rat, Wormtail. As Padfoot and Prongs, Sirius and James were large enough to control Remus, who is known as Mooney, during his monthly transformations into a werewolf. Wormtail, which is Peter, was small and nimble enough to get past the Whomping Willow's defenses so the group could get to the Shrieking Shack. Uh, the Marauders were frequently out of their beds at night to explore Hogwarts as grounds and the village of Hogsmeade during Lupin's transformations. Um, in the period between their fifth and seventh years at Hogwarts, James, Sirius, Remus, and Peter created the Marauders map, which is as most most, most people, people know, know yeah is a um a small bewitched roll of parchment that displays hogwarts castle as well as um not only the grounds but the inhabitants of the castle itself and that includes all staff ghosts students um inside the castle and on the outside grounds um and it's in it's it's very good detail yes um, so, oh, you can go ahead. 
Thank you. <laughs> so um, at an unspecified point in time, uh, Hogwarts caretaker Argus Filch confiscated the map and kept it in a drawer in his office labeled classified and highly dangerous. Fred and George Weasley steal the map in their first year at Hogwarts and later pass it on to Harry Potter in 1993. So Harry has been the sole owner of the map since then. Uh, the Marauders were all members of Gryffindor House and greatly despised their Slytherin enemy, Sna Severus Snape. And it was discovered in Harry Potter's fifth year at Hogwarts that James and Sirius often bullied Snape, calling him Civilis and uh, using humiliating spells on him, while Peter cheered them on, although he greatly disapproved of their bullying. Remus did not try to stop them, something he would later come to regret. And that's all that we know about their Hogwarts years, really. I know, it's like... Which is so weird as, like, someone who cosplays Lily, because, like, Broder's TikTok has really messed up my brain. You think so much is canon, and it's not. Like, Marlene's relationship <clears throat> with Lily is just fanon. It's not even, like, canon. Yeah. Which, that's wild to me. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that the fandom has just kind of accepted as canon. Yeah. And... And now like, they're going even earlier than the Marauders. Have you seen this? They're going to, like, their parents' years at Hogwarts. I've not seen that. I've, I've seen... seen this and then the great-grandparent, or the grandparents <coughs> of the Marauders. I've seen, like, the Black Era in, like, the black like Voldemort's like... time. Yeah. But, no, but like, I'm... not... I haven't seen people cosplay uh, Voldemort's mom. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I've seen one person. Okay. I mean, teach their own. If it's what makes you happy, man, do it. Yeah. But I don't get it. I don't there is literally her for that. zero. She hasn't really done much with that cosplay in a while. She's been mostly focusing on, like, her Queenie and Captain Marvel and all that recently. Fair. Yeah. So, shall we get into the first Wizarding War? Yeah. And this giant prelude, which is pretty much just, like, Tom Riddle in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, and the era Slytherin. Yeah. So, Tom Riddle finally found his magical ancestry in his fourth year when he used his middle name, Marvolo, derived from his maternal grandfather, Marvolo Gaunt, to discover the Gaunt family and their descent from the Slytherin family. Sorry, really quick, reading this, it just reminded me. Have you seen that in the French version? His middle name is Elvis? Yes. I'm sure most people have. To this day, it still cracks me up. Yeah. Um, his most burning obsession at the time remained the Chamber of Secrets itself, the hidden entrance of which he spent the majority of his fifth year searching for, despite most people insisting it was nothing but a myth. But finally, near the end of the year, he succeeded where countless others had failed by discovering the entrance in a girl's bathroom, which led down into the sewers beneath Hogwarts Lake. Entering um, the chamber, Riddle encountered the millennium-old basilisk living inside and confirms his connection to the historical dark wizard who bred it 
because Salazar Slytherin. On the 13th of June in 1943, Riddle unleashed the beast into Hogwarts to continue Slytherin's quote-unquote noble work of purging the school of muggle-born students. Several students were petrified, and one named Myrtle Warren was killed, who became Riddle's first murder victim. And uh, she's more commonly known as... Voting Myrtle. Voting Myrtle. Yeah. Um... However, this prompted uh, then-headmaster Armando Dippet and uh, the Hogwarts Board of Governors to discuss closing the school in the interest of safety of the other students. Faced with returning to the Muggle Orphanage, he so... Secretly. I don't think that's supposed... I don't think that's supposed to be secretly. He definitely did not secretly hate it. He True. outwardly hated it. True. Mm. Um, he uh, not-so-secretly despised... Uh, Riddle abandoned the Chamber of Secrets and secretly framed uh, the half-giant third-year Gryffindor student, Rubius Hagrid, um, and his pet... I can never say this. Thank you. uh, Aragog for the crimes, which we see happening in... Chamber of Secrets. Yes. (laughs) I couldn't remember if it was that one or if it was the other one. As a result, Hagrid was expelled, but offered to be trained as the school's groundskeeper as Dumbledore, at Dumbledore's request. Whereas Riddle was unjustly rewarded for this, or rewarded the special award for services to the school by Dippet. With his fear of death exacerbated by having stared it in the face, he used the murder of Myrtle to turn his school diary into his first Horcrux, and he learned how to do so um, from Professor Slughorn. Yes. Um, So, on around August of uh, 1943, Riddle tracked down his gaunt relatives to Little Hangleton, right? Yes. Hang, hang, yeah, okay. Hangleton. Yeah. Where his maternal uncle, Morphin Gaunt, gave him a biased account of his father leaving his mother to die and abandoning him to the orphanage. In a desire for revenge, he entered the Riddle house and used the killing curse to kill his father, Tom Riddle Sr., alongside his muggle grandparents, Thomas and Mary Riddle, and then framed Gaunt for the crimes by placing him under the influence of a false memory spell. Yes. As a result, Gaunt boastfully confessed to killing his own in-laws and was sentenced to life imprisonment in the Dementor-infested wizard prison Azkaban. Whereas the Riddle's caretaker, Frank Bryce, was suspected, though not prosecuted, of the murders within the Muggle community. While Riddle stole the the Gaunt's signet ring, which unbeknownst to anyone at the time, including Riddle, contained another of the Deathly Hallows, the Resurrection Stone, and started wearing it as a trophy. Shortly afterwards, Riddle returned to Hogwarts for his sixth year and discovered the theoretical possibility of creating six Horcruxes, thus splitting his soul into seven pieces with Professor Horace Slughorn, the potions master, and his head of Slytherin House, who was taken aback by Riddle's extreme interest in such a powerful and horrific dark magic. Although reluctant at first, Slughorn nonetheless gave him an overview of such an experiment with the promise of keeping their discussion between only them. When Riddle mentioned the possibility of creating six Horcruxes, Slughorn was deeply horrified at this idea, and this apparently gave Riddle what he wanted to hear. He used the murder of his own father to turn the ring into his second Horcrux. 
Then in 1945, Dumbledore, who is the only person who could see through Riddle's facade, resorted to keeping a close eye on him. And that same year, Dumbledore demonstrated his own legendary magical skill by personally defeating Gellert Grindelwald in a duel after the international authorities implored him to help end Grindelwald's reign of terror. Yes. Which, um, yeah, so this is where um, the Fantastic Beasts series will end. Yeah. Is right around his sixth year at Hogwarts and Dumbledore's defeat of Grindelwald. Yes. So following Grindelwald's defeat, Dumbledore obtained ownership of the Elder Wand and Grindelwald was imprisoned for life in his own prison, Nuremgard in Austria. The global wizarding war ended and peace was restored to the wizarding communities of continental Europe. Now, that's like the mini wizarding war, the mini first wizarding war before we get to like the big honking legit. Like, I don't even know if you can call it. No, because it's right around the same time as World War II. So I feel like it's more due to that than in the wizarding community. This feels like the wizarding battle. The wizarding war has yet to come. Yeah, because I feel like the wizarding war, uh, uh, well, the whole thing is in the name, wizarding. Yeah. There's no, like, outside muggle influence. Influence. Yeah, and much of, like, the Dumbledore versus Grindelwald and that sort of thing. It was very influenced yeah. by World War Two. Yes. I mean, you see that in Secrets of Dumbledore, which came out Absolutely. last year. Um, so. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Around this time, Riddle also graduated from Hogwarts and quickly applied for the position of Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, which had just been vacated by... Galatia Merrythought. Dumbledore, who was now a world-famous household name, argued against having him on the staff, warning Armando Dippet of Riddle's untrustworthiness. So Dippet ended up cordially rejecting Riddle on the basis of being too young, though encouraged him to reapply for the position in a few years. Okay, this gives me strong vibes of when Umbridge is sitting in her office and she looks at Snape, uh, Snape and she goes, you wanted the uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts position, yes. but you were unsuccessful. <laughs> like, Obviously. same vibe. <laughs> Me. Um, Riddle, meanwhile, began developing an interest in the relics of the Hogwarts founders, and before leaving the school, he charmed the Grey Lady, secretly Helena Ravenclaw, the ghost of Ravenclaw House, who is also the daughter of Rowena Ravenclaw, um, to reveal where her mother had hidden the famous diadem in a remote forest in Albania. So he traveled there and retrieved it from a hollow tree. Using the murder of an Albanian peasant, he encountered along the way and brutally killed in order to turn the diadem into his third horcrux. When he returned to England, Riddle was offered several positions in the British Ministry of Magic, but he turned them all down and began working at Borgen and Burke's, a dirty and disreputable dark arts shop in Nocturne Alley. At that time, run by Caractus Burke, which many believed was a waste of his talents. 
tasked with smooth talking people into parting with their possessions for far less than the actual cost, he used his position to instead secretly learn more about the dark arts and ended up forming a one-sided fake friendship with, oh, geez, again, Hebsibah Hebsibah Smith. I kind of remember that one. Um, who was a wealthy old antiques collector and descendant of Helga Pufflepuff, who fell for his charms. At some point between 1955 and 1961, Riddle visited her to negotiate the sale of a goblin-made suit of armor in her possession, which Hemsibah used as an opportunity to show him two of her most prized treasures, Helga Hufflepuff's cup and Salazar Slytherin's locket the latter of which Riddle's mother sold to Burke after stealing it from the Gaunts years earlier. In a desire for more selfish gain, he used a little-known poison to secretly kill Hebsiba two days later, then framed her house elf Hokey for the crime by placing her under the influence of another false memory charm. As a result, Hokey was convicted of accidental manslaughter, while Riddle resigned his post at Borken and Burke's and disappeared without a trace eventually using the murders of Hepzibah and a muggle tramp whom he encountered in London, England, to turn the cup and locket into his fourth and fifth horcruxes, respectively. That was disrespectful. <laughs> Who wrote that? Someone on Wikipedia. On Harry Potter Boom. Wikipedia, technically. I don't like that. I don't either. <laughs> she was a lady of the night. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> Sure. So now we're going to get into his uh, immersion into the dark arts. Yes. So um, now going exclusively by his preferred name, Lord Voldemort, uh, Riddle laid low and traveled around Europe and Asia. Little is known of his activities during this period, though he did explore the dark arts extensively, studying the most obscure and arcane branches of magic and consorting with an array of dark wizards who would all turn out to become his followers in the years to come. By the time he was a full-fledged adult, around 1968, Riddle donned a hooded cloak, though he physically still did not resemble the monstrous creature he would later become in his life and that we see in the films. Yes. Um, uh, so he wore this cloak that concealed him completely, and he began plotting a wizarding coup, claiming that he would he was gratefully dissatisfied with the current state of the wizarding world and that he would succeed where so many, including Gellert Grindelwald and Slavlazar Slytherin, had failed. Ooh. Voldemort devised a personal sigil, one of a serpent protruding from the mouth of a human skull, which he called the Dark Mark, and that he magically branded onto the forearms of his followers as a tattoo, enabling him to summon them to his side at any moment of his choosing. They then began establishing relations with various kinds of dark creatures, including giants and werewolves. Um, though the Death Eaters were generally even less tolerant of them than wizarding society in general, these creatures were respective of their violent and destructive goals, or were receptive of their violent and destructive goals. Dark activity suddenly arose throughout Great Britain, a country that had been totally untouched by dark magic, even during the reign of terror of Gellert Grindelwald. And Voldemort began... Surreptitiously? Surreptitiously killing poor and homeless muggles whose absences would not be noticed with his followers so that he could reanimate their corpses with 
necromancy until he had created an army of Inferi, a feat no other dark wizard in history had ever done. That's morbid as hell. Yeah. Inferi are, like, one of those things that they touch on, like, five times in the book, not even. And it's in, like, a pamphlet in, like, Order of the Phoenix. Just, like, yeah. warning Harry. Don't like. No. That's spooky as hell. Yeah. So, um, in the bri- in the wider British wizarding world, the early actions of the Death Eaters were almost totally unknown. And in the 1960s, uh, excuse me, and the 1960s were a time when the tide of social progress clashed with the entrenched social order. At some point around 1960, we're not exactly sure when, but around there, Scottish mag- magical sports and games advocate Magnus Denthead MacDonald spearheaded a campaign against the ministry's ban on the dangerous sport Crayothican? Sure. Crayothican? Which was enacted in 1962. <laughs> Sorry, 1762. Unfortunately, he was unsuccessful since the ministry refused to lift it. In uh, 1962, Minister of Magic Ignis Tuft was forced out of office for promising to institute a controversial Dementor breeding program for Azkaban. He was replaced by Nobby Leach, who became the first Muggleborn ever to hold the minister position, leading senior members of uh, Wizenmont to resign in protest. So, in March of 1965, the infamous and sadistic werewolf Sash Wizard Fenir Greyback killed two Muggle children, avoided prosecution and even injured the son of a high-ranking ministry official. This led the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures to send one of their best employees, Lyle Lupin, to declare that werewolves were soulless, evil, and deserving nothing but death, leading to Greyback personally attacking and infecting Lupin's five-year-old son, Remus Lupin, with lycanthropy. Lupin and his muggle wife, Hope, Howell feared Howell Howell yeah Hope Howell feared Remus's ability to attend Hogwarts in such condition and tried to homeschool him at the same time the ministry enacted a ban on the experimental breeding of dark or dangerous creatures which was supported by Newt's commander of course it was starting to get all these names yeah they're like, they're starting, at this point, what? This is like 1960s. So at this point, Newt's like. He, he's Hot like, shot. Yeah, he's like uh, been around. His book's probably like already a textbook at this point. Yeah. He, he's good. Yeah. He's, he's like very well known at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's been like, what, 30 years, 40 years, 30 years, 20 years? I can't do math. 30 years. 30 years. 19. 19- 20, 20, no, 40. So 20 years. 40 years? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's like, okay, if he was in his 20s then. He's like he's in like, his 40s. I know. If it was 40 years, he'd be in his 60s. It's 20 years. 1920. No, it's 1945 is the end of Fantastic Beasts. But he started writing it in 1920. Yeah. So, yeah, he he's probably, like, I don't know. Okay, he's, you like, probably, what? like, middle-aged. You know the only thing I know, which is the most wild thing in uh, in my Harry Potter knowledge? His grandson marries Little Lovegood. What? <laughs> yes. 
Luna Lovegood <coughs> has Nick Commander's great grandchildren. Honestly, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So between 1965 and 1971, Dumbledore, who was noted as a social progressive believing strongly in the rights of muggles as well as muggle-borns and other oppressed minorities, uh, assented to the post of headmaster of Hogwarts. And in these positions of great and influential power, Dumbledore passed extreme legislation to prevent any possible dark forces from threatening the overall security around Great Britain while refusing the position of Minister of Magic, claiming it would give him Dumbledore far too much power which would be corrupting even to a pure spirit which as we see very true yeah it was these laws and measures that openly and secretly prevented Voldemort and his death eaters from initiating their revolution right away something that only fueled Voldemort's hatred of Dumbledore in the years to come Voldemort then returned to Hogwarts to reapply for the defense against the dark arts position only this time, he was secretly annoyed to find out that Dumbledore had exceeded Armando Dippet as headmaster. Unlike the last time he applied for a teaching position, Dumbledore suspected that this desire to teach was insincere, and his main goal was to recruit students to his cause and train them in the dark arts. In truth, however, Voldemort was hoping to search the school for artifacts like the Sword of Godric Gryffindor and turn it into a six horcrux which would complete his goal of splitting his soul into seven pieces. Unsurprisingly, Dumbledore declined to hire him, telling Riddle that he knew full well that his desire... Hold on. Unsurprisingly, Dumbledore declined to hire him, telling Riddle that he knew full well that his desire for the position was insincere and that it bellied more nefarious desires perhaps out of spite for the headmaster or perhaps for being denied a genuine desire to teach defense against the dark guards Voldemort secretly placed an unknown dark jinx on the position making it so a professor could not hold it for more than one school year makes sense yeah which is (coughs) why we have a different um, defense against the dark arts professor like every year in the books makes sense yeah again i see here you originally applied for the defense against the dark arts position yes but you were unsuccessful yep obviously <laughs> um well in the school Voldemort also took the opportunity to conceal Ro- um ravenclaw's diadem in the legendary room of requirement foolishly thinking that it was inaccessible to anyone else but himself. He was also unsuccessful in finding Gryffindor's sword. In 1968, Nobby Leach left office for mysterious health reasons, leading to a conspiracy theory that he had been poisoned by his muggle prejudice advisor, Abraxas Malfoy. He was then replaced as Minister of Magic by Eugenia Jenkins, who, like her predecessor, was sympathetic to the issues of social justice. Throughout the decade, with various minority groups demanding to be treated as equals, many of the old elite pureblood houses to which all of the Death Eaters belonged increasingly felt that their way of life was being threatened. Yes. And And now... This Abraxas Malfoy is the father of Lucius Malfoy. He's not the... um... Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
And now we actually get into like war. This is like, this is it. Terrible war. This is the catalyst. They're like, okay, let's do it. War. Um, It was in this charged climate that in 1970, Voldemort revealed himself openly, proclaiming himself as the Dark Lord and started to commit extreme acts of terrorism in Britain. With his army of dark wizards and dark creatures at his command, Voldemort launched an, an, an assault against the British Ministry of Magic with the intention of toppling it and creating a new world order run by purebloods with muggleborns either killed in mass or kept in utter bondage and Lord Voldemort himself be, as an immortal leader, though likely ruling from behind the scenes. As their confidence grew, the Death Eaters began targeting Muggleborn and blood traitor witches and wizards as well, torturing and sometimes killing their victims, which shocked wizarding society. Other inferior magical beings, such as house elves, who were treated like vermin, and goblins, a family of which was slaughtered, also suffered under their reign of terror. Yet, to inspire yet more terror, the Death Eaters would cast the dark mark in the sky over every house or scene that they killed at. Many Death Eaters also managed to secretly gain strategic positions within the Ministry of Magic itself. They then used blackmail and the Imperious Curse to expand their influence and destabilize the government from within, which was desperately trying to keep order and continue to maintain secrecy from the Muggle world. Voldemort himself personally killed hundreds of wizards, though he tended to only fight those he considered worthy of his attention, or too powerful for his followers to defeat. In these encounters, he displayed his extraordinary abilities, many of which were thought impossible, and he very quickly earned the reputation of the most powerful and dangerous dark wizard of all time, surpassing even Gellert Grindelwald. Um, In response to the growing threat of Lord Voldemort and his minions, Albus Dumbledore formed the Order of the Phoenix in 1971 to take the fight directly to the Death Eaters. Though the Ministry officially viewed the Order as a renegade outfit, a number of powerful Ministry officials such as Elpheus Dodge and Daedalus Diggle and the famous Aurors Alistair Moody and Frank Longbottom and Alice Longbottom joined instantly to participate in more secretive sudden assaults to crush their dark rebellion. Um, when Dumbledore helped black market trader Mundungus Fletcher out of trouble, he joined the order and, due to his extensive knowledge of the criminal underworld, prov- proved very useful. To allow members of the order to covertly communicate with each other, Dumbledore invented a method of sending messages via the Patronus charm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Which we see that in the book Order of the Phoenix. Tonks uses mm. it to be like, I found Harry after ah. Dumbledore, or after Draco, like, poisons him on the train or, like, knocks him yeah. out or whatever. So, despite the Order's best efforts, Voldemort continued to grow in magical power and influence, and his attacks, whether carried out personally or by his Death Eaters, became more frequent and more brutal. It was clear that Dumbledore was the only wizard in the world who rivaled Voldemort in ability, and the nascent Order of the Phoenix initially had very little success, and many continued to be killed by Voldemort. So, numerous ordinary witches and wizards, such as um, Mr. Thomas Mr. Thomas and Robert McGonagall Jr., 
lost their lives, and the Death Eaters frequently cast the dark marks over the scenes of their murders, as mentioned earlier. Yes. Um, but to protect the organization, Voldemort ensured that Death Eaters did not know the identities of too many of their fellows, and to society at large, their identities were completely unknown. Yeah, which we see the masks that they wear yeah. in the movies. Which are horrifying. Yes, and they're all, like, personalized to each yeah. Death Eater. Um, I know at Universal they sell Lucius's and Bellatrix's. Makes and sense. And I can remember Bellatrix's. It's silver with, like, black swirls. Yeah, that's, like, the one that everybody pictures when they think of yeah. masks. Isn't um, Lucius's the one that kind of looks like a hockey mask? Yes. This is very plain compared to Bellatrix's. It's like stripes yeah. and dots. Yeah. Um, increasing the confusion and paranoia even further, Voldemort placed many dozens of innocent victims under the Imperius curse um, simultaneously and forced them to carry out his orders. Even friends and family members were not above suspicion of one another. In 1975, Eugenia Jenkins was ousted as Minister of Magic and replaced by Harold Mencham, a hardliner who pressed more dementors around Azkaban. In addition, Ruthless Council of Magical Law head Judge Bartimus Barty Crouch Sr. rose rapidly through the ministry's ranks until he became the head of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. Mincham and Crouch then began to make serious headway, though the anonymous and elusive Death Eaters still retained the advantage. In 1978, Severus Snape graduated from Hogwarts and entered the ranks of the Death Eaters, joining his schoolmates, Evan Rosier, Lucius Malfoy, Bellatrix Lestrange, um, Solon, Jerome, Jugson, um, Regulus Black, Rodolphus Lestrange, uh, Rabistan Lestrange, Thorfinn Roll. Huh? Um, thank you. No problem. Augustus Rokewood, Igor Karkakov, um, Crab, Goyle, and Travers, and Antonin uh, Dol- Dolohov. Dolov. Yeah. Likely at Snape's urging, Voldemort attempted to recruit Lily Evans, whose prodigious talents made up for her status as a muggle-born. Along with her blood traitor boyfriend, James Potter, and James's childhood friends, Sirius Black, Remus Lupin, and Peter Pettigrew. Naturally, they all refused, defying Voldemort for the very first time, and James and Lily were soon married and joined the Order of the Phoenix along with their other friends. Around this time, James and Sirius, um, Sirius had been disowned by the House of Black at this point, were pursued by a trio of Death Eaters, though they easily managed to evade them and escape. Voldemort then gravitated towards several of his younger recruits who were um, specially magically who were specially magically powerful and fanatically loyal. He took only Severus Snape and Bellatrix Lestrange under his personal wing, sharing with them his personal secret knowledge of the dark arts. An inspiring in Bellatrix, a delusional, psychotic attraction bordering on loving obsession, which Voldemort never returned. He also entrusted his diary horcrux to Lucius Malfoy, with whom he schemed of using to secretly reopen the Chamber of Secrets 
for he did not dare attack Hogwarts directly as long as Dumbledore was headmaster. This did not come to fruition until many years later, as we know. Yes. Also, I have always thought that Bellatrix was, like, obsessed with him. Like, literally in love, like, crazy obsessed. Do you know Cursed Child plot at all? No. (sighs) They have a kid together in Cursed Child. Oh, I think you mentioned that. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, in 1979, <clears throat> Regulus Black, the younger brother of Sirius Black, graduated from Hogwarts and joined the Death Eaters. He remained a pure-blood supremacist, but quickly became incredibly disenchanted with the cause's insane and brutal leader. Around this time, Voldemort felt the need to test the defenses around his horcruxes. To make sure Slytherin's locket was secure, he requested the use of Regulus's house-elf, Creature, and then callously left him to die. When Creature managed to survive and to return home, Regulus deduced that Voldemort had created a horcrux and attempted to destroy it. This failed and resulted in his violent death at the hands of the Inferi, though he did manage to replace the locket with a fake and entrusted the real horcrux to Creature. So yeah, a homie. The people in the lake that attack um, Harry and Dumbledore are the Inferi, like, are all those yeah. muggles that he, like, resurrected their bodies. Yeah. Terrifying. Yes. Um, so, under the leadership of Dumbledore, Hogwarts remained a bastion of elite supreme magical education and was left totally untouched by the Death Eaters. Um, probably because of Voldemort's literal, like, he would see Dumbledore and probably yeah. pee his pants and run away. <laughs> but it was suggested that after the war excuse me it was suggested after the war that marriages and births increased significantly during these years as the future was pretty uncertain late in july of 1980 order members james potter and lily potter had a son harry potter while frank longbottom and alice longbottom had neville longbottom oh it's so cute um at the same time, Death Eaters Lucius Malfoy and Narcissa Malfoy had Draco Malfoy, while Crab Sr. and Goyle Sr. also had sons, as well as Bellatrix Lestrange um, marrying Rodolphus Lestrange, though neither of them actually viewed their marriage as legitimate, only a means of avoiding ending up with anyone less than pure blood. Yes. So it's an arranged marriage, which is yeah. what most of those it pure was, blood... I don't think it was even arranged. It was just like, well, eh, okay. Yeah, some, this is another thing where Fanon has just, like, corrupted my mind. Where, like, even in House of Black, she's, like, kind of, like, made to by her dad. Yeah. Which I'm sure there was some parental pressure on them both. You know, the cause. It's it's very World War II-esque. Yeah. Right? Like, I just, I've been watching The Crown, and one of prince philip's sisters in like this flashback she's like a nazi she's married to like a nazi officer and she's like ah yes the fuhrer has told us we must continue to have children so i have a feeling it's like the same yeah deal where he's like keep having pure blood children yeah um in 1980 minister mincham was also removed from office due to his failure to end the war and was immediately replaced with millicent bagnold Order member Peter Pettigrew was also secretly initiated as a Death Eater because of the latter's great fear of Voldemort and the foolish conclusion 
that nothing could be truly gained by resisting him and began feeding information on the Order's movements to Voldemort. And members what a snake. Be- yeah. Um, members began regarding each other uneasily, and Sirius Black suspected that his friend Remus Lupin, who was frequently undercover among Voldemort's werewolf allies, was a spy. When the entire order gathered for a group photo in July of 1981, no one suspected the truth. That Peter was the true traitor. Yeah. Shortly afterwards, due to Pettigrew's betrayal, Death Eaters began systematically murdering Order members, and the war entered its most desperate phase. Marlene McKinnon was slaughtered alongside her entire family by the Travers Knott and McCulber. Or excuse me, by Travers Knott and McCulber. Edgar Bones, his wife, and their children were murdered by Thorfinn Rowell and Fenir Greyback. Gideon Pruitt and Fabian Pruitt, the twin brothers of Molly Weasley, both fought bravely and were ultimately killed by Antonin Dolov. Um, you know what I just realized? What? That her twin brothers have the initials of F and J and her, or G. F and G? Yeah, and then her twin kids also Fred and have George. that. Yeah. Yeah, probably not by accident. Yeah. Um... Dorcas Meadows was murdered by Voldemort himself. Um, oh, man. Karotic? Caradoc. Caradoc? Yeah, Caradoc. Karotic? Caradoc? I don't know. That one's a toughie. Dearborn disappeared and was never found, though he was presumed dead. And Benji Fenwick was killed by Death Eaters with a powerful curse, which killed him in such a powerful explosion that only pieces of him were recovered. Which sounds like another character later on. They found just the thumb. Yeah. In response to this brutal onslaught, Barty Crouch Sr., who despised Voldemort, the Death Eaters, and the Dark Arts entirely, issued an edict giving Ministry Aurus full permission to employ the use of unforgivable curses against their enemies. A massive ministry campaign spearheaded by and led by Alistair Moody, Kingsley Shacklebolt, and Frank Longbottom ensued immediately turning the tide of the war against the Death Eaters. They initially focused their efforts on resisting the giants, killing many of them with a killing curse, and wiping out entire tribes until they were they forced the survivors to go into hiding. Finally, the ministry began to identify and apprehend Death Eaters. Our an order member, Alistair Moody, became legendary for his success arresting and capturing Igor Karkov, along with many other supporters of the Dark Lord, and also killing Evan Rosier when he resisted arrest, although losing a chunk of his nose in the process. Um, Antonin Dolov also met his capture and imprisonment at the hands of Magical Law Enforcement Squad, and Corbin Yaxley, one of Voldemort's earliest members, was captured and sent to Azkaban as well. Still, Voldemort himself remained untouchable, both for his elusiveness and for his legendary power and skill, which nobody but Dumbledore could match. So, during the worst days of the war, in late 1980... James and Lily Potter lived in Godric, Godric's Hollow, England, with their son, Harry. 
The family had been asked to go into hiding by Professor Dumbledore himself, as they knew they were definitely on Voldemort's radar as hated enemies. James then let his family heirloom, the invisibility cloak, to Dumbledore, who was curious about its properties. Um, around this time, Dumbledore met with Sybil Trelawney at the Hogshead Inn in Hogsmeade regarding the vacant position of divination teacher. During the interview, Trelawney entered into a magical trance and made a real prophecy, in which she foretold the futuristic coming of a young wizard who would not only become Voldemort's equal, but would finish the Dark Lord for good due to this individual having strength, power, courage, will, purity of heart, and most of all, a deep love that would not only surpass those of Lord Voldemort, but of Albus Dumbledore himself. Um, there were two possible candidates, both born in July of 1980 to members of the Order of the Phoenix who had thrice defied the Dark Lord, which were Harry Potter and Neville Longbottom. Could you imagine if the book series was like Neville, Neville Longbottom, Longbottom and, and the whatever? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he kills the last Horcrux. He does. He's actually he's actually pretty awesome. I think yeah. I think Neville is actually a pretty like crucial part of the story. I agree. He's totally dismissed in the first few, but then like as you get to like realize how important he is as a character, it's like yeah, okay. Yeah. Plus. He's, like, the best example of, like, becoming more attractive as you age. He lives in Orlando. I know! I saw that! And he has a daughter now, doesn't he? I think so. I know Rupert does. Named Wednesday. I saw that. She's so cute. She is. And it's um, so funny that she's named Wednesday because he had to come out and be like, she's not named after Wednesday Adams. Recently. <laughs> I don't know. He said that she wasn't. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, anyway, jumping back into, like, 1980. <laughs> Severus Snape was also secretly at the inn and managed to overhear only part of the prophecy before being discovered and thrown out by the inn's keeper, who was secretly order member Aberforth Dumbledore, you know, Albus Dumbledore's younger brother. Yes. Um. So then Snape immediately reported what he heard to Voldemort, who became so fearful and greatly concerned over the information. Um, Voldemort then immediately assumed that it meant that the Potter's son, a half-blood like himself, um, and resolved to personally kill the infant at any cost whatsoever. Dumbledore then hired Trelawney so that uh, she would be safe from Voldemort and his Death Eaters, which, like, good for him. Trelawney is yeah. the best professor besides McGonagall, like, hands down. I love her. Me too. Complicating Voldemort's plan, Snape secretly harbored a deep, everlasting love for Lily Potter since the two had been friends since childhood, so great enough that he covertly defected to the Order of the Phoenix after he secretly told Dumbledore that Voldemort had marked her and her family for death, begging the legendary wizard to hide and protect the family from Voldemort at all costs. Dumbledore agreed and urgently bade the, um, the Potters to go into hiding under the protection of the Fidelius charm. While James and Lily wanted Sirius Black to be their secret keeper because he was their closest and most trusted friend, and the fact that Sirius had been made Harry's godfather, it was exactly for those reasons that Black claims that he was too obvious a choice and that Voldemort would suspect him. 
So instead, Sirius suggested Peter Pettigrew, an ordinary wizard who no one would ever suspect. Um, thus, the real traitor became the Potter's secret keeper, though no one, not even Dumbledore or Lupin, knew of the switch. And within a week, a, um, Pettigrew told his master, Voldemort, the Potter's location, officially breaking the Fidelius charm and leaving the Potters completely vulnerable. Which, like, how bad did Sirius feel? Probably terrible. I bet you those years in Azkaban, that's like what he was, I mean, that's what he tells Harry. He was like, all those years, all that suffering, it was all my fault, right? Yeah. He said, had I just taken it, like, he's like, had I just, had I just done it for them, then we'd never be in this position. You know? So it's one of those things. It's like survivor's guilt. Yeah. To a degree. But like he also spent a lot of time in Azkaban for it. So True. And it wasn't even his fault. It really wasn't. <laughs> it literally was the opposite of his fault. Yeah. So I mean um, a little bit. Yeah. He could have just said sure. Um Meanwhile, Dumbledore discovered that James's invisibility cloak was, in fact, the cloak of invisibility, the third and legendary of the Deathly Hollows. Can we uh, talk about how that would have been so useful to them? This hell right? that we're about to get to? Right? Dumbledore! So, you naughty boy! <laughs> uh, here we go. The one nobody wants to talk about. Ugh. Ugh, pain. On October 31st of 1981, Voldemort traveled to the Potter's residence in Godric's Hollow. He then casually and secretly entered their home and instantly and swiftly murdered James with the killing curse, who was unarmed. He offered Lily a chance to save herself if she stepped away from the crib containing her infant son. Voldemort wished to honor Snape's request to spare Lily, but she refused, and when Voldemort became agitated and angry, he gave her one last warning to move aside. Lily, who still refused, excuse me, Lily still refused, thus Voldemort murdered her as well with the killing curse. He then turned his wand on Harry. However, Lily's loving sacrifice gave Harry an an ancient and unbelievably powerful magic protection an ancient counter charm rooted in the power of love. And when Voldemort attempted to kill Harry with the killing curse, the curse rebounded and was deflected upon Voldemort himself. In that very moment, Voldemort unknowingly made Harry himself his seventh and final horcrux. The killing curse caused Voldemort's physical body to be destroyed and his power was completely broken and zapped from him. Although Voldemort's... What? I said kind of woo. You can't really woo. The Potters are dead. True. But <laughs> Harry survived. We're at the boy who lived. Yay! Woo! Although Voldemort's body and magic were destroyed, he did not die because of his horcruxes enabling him to survive, albeit in a bodiless, powerless, spectral form. In utter fear and des- desperation, he immediately fled the collapsing home and the country entirely, Unwillingly to be seen by anyone in such a weakened and desperate state, not even his own Death Eaters. Truth be told, okay, so you know when, like, they're taking him in a goblet of fire and they're putting him... Yes! And he looks like a shriveled up thumb. Yeah. 
He looks like he sat in the bath for too long and he just became one shriveled up, dried little worm. Yeah, yeah um, that's that's just sad. Yeah. Um, Order member and Hogwarts groundskeeper Rubius Hagrid arrives on the scene about an hour after Voldemort fled, secretly acting on Dumbledore's order to rescue Harry from the cottage ruins with unexpected help from Sirius Black, who instantly became aware of Pettigrew's treachery after finding his house empty with little sign of a struggle. Black then tried to convince Hagrid to give him Harry, since um, he had been named the boy's legal guardian in the event of James and Lily's deaths, but Hagrid told him that Dumbledore had ordered Hagrid to bring Harry directly to him at an undisclosed location. So Black lent the half-giant wizard his flying motorbike to carry the baby on for the journey to meet with Dumbledore. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm a, at least a little happy that Sirius got like that final moment with Harry before confronting Pettigrew. He should have been Harry's guardian. Yeah, I feel like if he hadn't gone after Pettigrew... Well, he probably would have. No, no because one, no one nobody knew. About knew. The they would have done Veritaserum on him, but he didn't get a proper trial. No, he did not. He was robbed. Yeah. Robbed. Like, other people got, like, had Veritaserum <laughs> and were like, were you a Death Eater? And they're like, yeah, it was. Yep. <laughs> um, they're all, hell yeah, baby. I was in the theater. Whoop, whoop. And everybody's like, And I feel oh, like shock. they would have done Veritaserum on him if, like, the two of them were brought up. Oh, absolutely. And they would have found out. Oh, 100%. So that same night, Voldemort's, excuse me, news of Voldemort's downfall and apparent death spread like wildfire throughout all of Great Britain, with monumental celebrations breaking out all across the country. So strenuously and numerous large-scale breaches of the International Statute of Wizarding Secrecy were noticed by the Muggle international media. Huh? Let me try that again. That was not a sentence that was written. Well, no. So, let me tell you. I can probably decipher what this is saying. So, it was saying that, You know like, in no, chapter no. one of um, um, Philosopher's Stone, Sorcerer's Stone, whatever, how um, Vernon is, like, at work and is noticing all these muggles walking around, or uh, all these wizards walking around? Yeah, and there's... Yeah, there's, like, a lot of people That's walking around. That's what they're around. talking about. And the owls yeah. and the... Um, and the news they're talking about how all these owls are being active during the day and it's you know all the wizards talking about yo Voldemort's dead let's celebrate woohoo who cares about keeping the wizarding world secret everybody yeah basically um so Touted as the boy who lived, Harry Potter's status as being the one who defeated the most powerful dark wizard who ever lived, and the first and only person to ever survive the killing curse, and the reason for the end of the war led him to becoming a world-famous and household name, as well as a celebrity overnight. Hagrid, Dumbledore, and McGonagall left Harry at the doorstep of number four 
Privet Drive, the residence of his maternal aunt Petunia Dursley and her husband, Vernon Dursley, whom were muggles and despised magic. Dumbledore left a note with him explaining the circumstances to the Dursleys, and most importantly, that they must allow Harry to grow up in their home and return there once a year in order to ensure that his mother's protection would continue working. He knew that Voldemort would someday return and Harry would be in danger. Now we're going to talk about the decline of the Death Eaters and all of them getting actual trials except for Sirius. Also, can I just say really quick that it's total bullshit that he had to stay there for his mother's love protection to keep working? Yeah. Bullshit. I call bullshit. He is the boy who freaking lived. Like, I agree. No. Um, in the aftermath of Voldemort's shocking defeat and subsequent disappearance without a trace, many were skeptical that he was really dead believing that he was too powerful or too inhuman to die like a normal wizard. Aurora's order members and ministry officials searched at home and abroad for any sign of him, but not found none. Although they eventually came to the conclusion that Voldemort had truly been defeated and was dead, many Death Eaters were still at large and considered a threat. Having secretly retrieved his master's wand from the destroyed Potter residence, Peter Pettigrew attempted to go into hiding with it for the next day in fear of being perceived a traitor by the Death Eaters, since his information inadvertently caused Voldemort's downfall. But he was confronted by Sirius Black on a street in London, full of muggles. In order to escape, he used Voldemort's wand to conjure a powerful blasting curse that killed... 12 muggle bystanders and transformed into his animagus form of a rat leaving behind a severed index finger as fake evidence against his opponent this left black universally perceived as the traitor to the potters as well as a mass murderer for which he was quickly arrested and carted off to azkaban without a trial whereas Pettigrew was universally thought to be dead and unjustly awarded the Order of Merlin first class for his supported willingness to stand up for the safety of a friend. Which we all know is BS. Yeah. This is when we start getting Barty Crouch Wizarding World that's just like gone to shit. Yep. Here we go. Down the toilet. Let's go. <laughs> um... In addition, other Death Eaters like Travers, um, Mulciber, and three others who helped murder the Bones family were likewise captured and imprisoned while Dumbledore gave personal testimony exonerating. 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 Again, it is 12.38. I've been up since 6.30. We got this. We got this. Come on. Severus Snape who he also hired as the potions master at Hogwarts to replace the retiring Horace Slughorn. Fenrir, Greyback, and other werewolves went back underground, and the few remaining giants left the British Isles entirely and resettled in the last remaining giant colony in the world of rural Denmark. I'm sorry. My family had, Er, Annie. Yeah. That, that was why I laughed about the Denmark thing. No, that's fair. It's just, it was just, I was like, why Denmark? Uh, why would you, why would it, they want to settle very, there? It's very, very rural. And there's like one big city. <coughs> fair. However. However uh, <laughs> rock, paper, scissors, shoot. 
Dang it, go ahead. However, Igor Karkaroff gave up Augustus Rookwood, who was thrown into Azkaban, in exchange for his freedom, which he used as an opportunity to flee the country and eventually gain employment as the new headmaster of Durmstrang Institute of Magic in Eastern Europe. The subsequent investigation of Rookwood's spy network led to numerous individuals being questioned, including um, Ludwig or Ludo Bagman, beater for the Wimburn Wasps, who was found not guilty. Um, and despite the ministry ca- crackdowns spearheaded by Barty Crouch Sr., Albus Dumbledore and Alistair Moody, some Death Eaters were able to walk free, such as the Malfoy family, who claimed to have been under the Imperious Curse and were cleared. Many innocent people were released from the Imperious Curse indeed, following Voldemort's defeat, so some of them used this as an excuse. Others simply used their wealth, power, and influence to avoid punishment for their crimes. Lucius, Narcissa, excuse me, Lucius and Narcissa Malfoy, not Avery, Crabbe, Goyle, and Gibbon were officially considered innocent in the years after the war, while Amicus Caro, Electo Caro, um, Thornfin Rawl, Sulin, Jugson, that's it. Um, they were all convicted and sent to Azkaban. Electo is one of the theories in Greek mythology, which were like workers of Hades. Ah, makes sense. So figured I'd throw that fun fact. She's the main fury that Percy gets to fight in Lightning Thief. Oh, fun. Yeah. However, not all Death Eaters were content to give up Voldemort's cause. Bellatrix was strange, Rodolphus was strange, and Ravison was strange, along with Crouch Sr.'s own son, Bartimus Barty Crouch Jr., abducted and interrogated Frank and Alice Longbottom, Believing that they had information on Voldemort's whereabouts, they tortured them at once with the Cruciatus curse so severely that they were left mentally insane with no possibility of returning to their former state. However, even the entirely strange family and Crouch Jr. were ultimately captured and arrested by a convoy of orders led by Alistair Moody and Kingsley Shacklebolt. The Longbottoms were moved to St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical maladies and injuries in Diagon Alley for long-term care, and their infant son, Neville Longbottom, was left to be raised by his grandmother, Augusta Longbottom. The horrific attack enraged the magical public so much and was considered one of the most dreadful crimes ever recorded. Barty Crouch Sr., disgusted and shame-ridden that his own son was a Death Eater, sentenced them all to life in Azkaban. The end. The end. No, that's not the end. That's just the beginning. Yeah, that's just the beginning. Um, I feel bad for Remus because if you look at the um, like full moon stuff, yeah, it would have been November first was the full moon. So the day that Sirius was taken to prison and Peter was presumed dead, and of course the Potters died, had been killed. Well, the day after. Was yeah. that full moon? It was either that ha- Halloween or that November first. It was right around then. Aw, yeah. So I think what we've all learned here is that the real victim of this whole story is Remus Lupin. He yep. is the real, true fat loser of this Especially whole story. Especially because, like, we talk about Finger Greyback's like ascendant to power and him causing this to Remus. 
Yeah. So, he's the real big fat loser of this whole story. Unfortunately, I feel so bad for him. Yeah. Because, like, not only is he, like, in this terrible condition caused by a Death Eater, but he also lost all of his friends, like, within 24 hours. True. Like, his three best friends. Four, including Lily. Yeah. Just sad. And the Longbottoms. Yeah. Because uh, because Frank would have been their fourth roommate, because there's four guys yeah. in each dorm. Wait. There's four of them. Or there's five guys in each dorm. Yeah. Can't do math right now. Yeah, but Frank would have been the fifth one. Yeah. Which, poor Frank, my dude. Poor dude, man. Like, he, he didn't get included in the Marauder shenanigans. I know. I mean, but same with same with Neville, though, right? True. History but repeats I mean, itself. Ron and Harry weren't the only two in that dorm. That's true. Because it was Seamus and... Neville. And Ron and, and oh. Harry and... Oh. I know his name. It's I. I don't want to describe. I can him picture as. him. Seamus and he also dates Jenny at some point. This other kid. What is can, his name? I can picture him. He's. I literally can see the kid. Oh my gosh! What is his Pete name? Thomas. Thank you. <laughs> I, I was sitting there and I was like, I know exactly friend. what the kid looks like. Yeah. I was like, it's the little black kid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, same thing. I was like, it's, it's the, it, yep. <laughs> I was like, I know exactly what he looks like. I, I, I was like, him. I didn't want to describe him as that. I was trying to think of his name. But no, that's, yep. That's exactly who I was. Yeah. Same page. Anyway. Okay. So what have we learned? Dumbledore, worst. Yes, because the Potters could have survived if they had the invisibility cloak. Yeah. Or at least Lily and Harry could have survived. Yeah. So, Dumbledore sucks. He is the villain of this entire also, story. Also, James Badu. Because we noted that he was unarmed. Yeah. Keep yourself armed when you're um, in a hiding. In hiding, in the middle of a war. Where you're very much wanted by the enemy because your son is, like, the prophet. Yeah. Good idea. Just a thought. Keep yourself armed. And maybe, uh, maybe actually tell the person you actually want to tell about, uh, your secret. Yeah. Also, Peter Pettigrew sucks. Yep. But we always knew that. That's not new. Nah. That's like accepted. Everybody knows. Yeah. So, anyway. Real loser was Lupin. Poor guy. Not like all the hundreds of people that lost their life during. Nah. They're already dead. Their lives can't get any worse. Also, Frank and Alice Longbottom. Yeah. That kind of sucks for them. A Neville. Yeah. But at least he had his grandmother and everybody, like, everything that we've seen, his grandmother is, like, actually the sweetest. True. His 
but like also kind of terrifying. Yeah. But like what grandmother isn't like the sweetest, but also a little bit terrifying at times. True. So, yeah. What's to be taken away? Dumbledore's not the hero. He never is. We've discussed this multiple times on this yes. show. Yes, we have. Go listen to those episodes where we rant about how terrible Dumbledore is and why he sucks. Didn't we do a sucks. full episode about why he sucks? Yes, we did. And why Hedwig is ten times better than him. <laughs> I remember This was that. like our third episode, too. We were coming in with hot takes on that third episode. Oh, Maybe it wasn't the third, but it was very early on. It was like, why Dumbledore sucks. Sort oldest to newest. No. Third is when we talked about Dumbledore and his actions. Yeah. I love episode four's title. That's Dumbledore and his accents. Why he sucks. That's my favorite one. Number four is my favorite title. That's my favorite way to tell that story. If you're wondering what the story is, go listen to episode four. Yeah. That's a good one. Shall we get into this fandom news? Yeah. Um, beginning April 3rd, fan favorite Happily Ever After returns to Magic Kingdom and Epcot Forever will fill the skies above World Showcase Lagoon at Epcot for a limited time, also beginning on April 3rd. New York City Center's production of Parade is headed to Broadway starring Ben Platt and Michaela Diamond. Beginning in the next few months, Walt Disney World annual pass holders will be able to visit the theme parks after 2 p.m. without needing a park reservation, except on Saturdays and Sundays at Magic Kingdom Park. <coughs> Past blockout dates will continue to apply like they currently do. Um, Funny Girl is launching a national tour sometime this year. No word on casting at this time. For, uh, prepare to enter the grid. Tron Light Cycle Run opens at Magic Kingdom Park on April 4th of 2023. When I heard this news, I almost cried. Um, after 20 years, La Brea Bakery has permanently closed at Downtown Disney. My heart broke. Earl of Sandwich will temporarily take over the new closed location starting in February. The Sword of Hades by Rick Riordan, with an excerpt from the upcoming novel The Sun and the Star, a Nico D'Angelo adventure by Rick Riordan and Mark Oshiro is out now. From January 28th through May 8th of this year, guests will be treated to an incredible drone show that will light up the night skies at Walt Disney Studios Park at Disneyland Paris Resort. The exclusive new show will be called Avengers Power the Night, dedicated to Marvel superheroes. Avatar Legends, the role-playing game based on the show Avatar The Last Airbender, is coming to shelves soon. Beginning on February 4th of this year, guests who enter a Disneyland Resort theme park with a Magic Key Pass or Park Hopper ticket may begin crossing over between the parks starting at 11 a.m. Yeah, it used to be 2 p.m. 1 p.m. Or 1 p.m. Yeah. But yeah. Um, starting on January 10th, overnight self-parking was once again offered complimentary to guests staying at Disney Resorts hotels at Walt Disney World. <coughs> Honestly, that's an incentive just to stay there because everywhere else parking is like $25 a night. Yeah. 
Gisela Adisa, Nancy Anderson, Joanna Gushlock, nope, Glushock, Liz McHale, and more have been cast in the 1776 national tour. Julia Lester, Erin Lazar, John Michael Lyles, and more will star alongside Sierra Bogus in Center Theater Group's production of The Secret Garden. Throughout the Disney 100 celebration at the Disneyland Resort, Disney Photo Pass digital photo downloads will be complimentary for all ticketed park guests on the Disneyland app starting on February 4th. Also beginning in the next few months, guests purchasing Disney Genie Plus service will receive downloads of their Disney Photo Pass attraction photos taken in the park on the day of their purchase at no additional charge. Walt Disney World will receive access to Disney Photo Pass lenses and one complimentary Cinderella Castle mural of memories experience. Pixar We Belong Together is a brand new stage show coming to Walt Disney Studios Park at Disneyland Paris. The show will take guests on a journey with their favorite Pixar pals, combining incredible technology, lights effect, and iconic songs. It'll take guests on a journey to find out how friendship brings us all together. The Golden Globes were the other night, with winners including Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Drama, which went to Austin Butler for his role in Elvis, Best Motion Picture Animated, which went to Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo? Guillermo? Yeah, Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro's um, Pinocchio. Best Director Motion Picture went to Steven Spielberg, The Fablemans. Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role in Any Motion Picture went to Angela Bassett for her role in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Well deserved. Yeah. Amazing performance. Yeah. Angela Bassett's a queen. Love her. Yeah. And then Best Performance by an Actress in a Television Series Drama for Zendaya's performance in Euphoria. And I just want to say real quick, as we mentioned Elvis previously, his daughter did pass away on this past thursday yes and not austin butler's elvis yeah elvis but my mind was brought up to it because of his role playing her father and i just wanted to say that we're with the family and friends of her yes very sad very sad yeah Beginning on April 12th of 2023, Disney Dreams will return to Disneyland Paris and take guests on a magical and emotional journey following the Disney D-Light drone show. Here Lies Love with music by David Bryan and Fatboy Slim will open on Broadway this summer. And last but not least, I'm really excited about this one. Um, Idina Menzel will lead world premiere musical Redwood at the La Jolla Playhouse next year. So that's here in San Diego at La Jolla. Yeah. Yeah. Very prestigious theater. How exciting. Yeah. I'm excited. I saw that news and was just like, yay. Yeah. Her back on stage. Let's see if Gabby can get on the crew somehow for that show. That'd be cool if Gabby could. (coughs) I would love to work on that show. That'd be really cool. So shall we see them all in the outro? Yeah, I think so. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of FanFit's House. We are a proud part of the Real Fans Podcast Network. That's right. And if you want to check out more shows on the network, you can find them at rf4rn.com. Next week, we will be covering the history behind production of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or MCU. Remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. 
and subscribe to us on YouTube. Please leave us a review and comment down below to tell us what you thought of the show. And remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FanFatalsPod for the latest updates. Now, Emma, where can the people find you on social media? So my Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter are all at SnippyEmma, which is S-N-I-P-P-Y-E-M-M-A. What about you, Gabs? I'm at Gabby Jen on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. That's G-A-B-Y-J-E-N-T. Our editing is by the wonderful Carolyn Meyer. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Bye. 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 The music in this episode, no doubt, like we've been recovered either route.